Hey, it's time for a story, my friend. You may be wondering why me reading a story I've written would be anything you'd want to listen to on this podcast. But in keeping with us being open, vulnerable, and authentic, what better way than me telling you about a personal experience? Because maybe it isn't so personal. Maybe my experiences reflect yours. Maybe my pains, hardships, my frustrations, my joys are something we share, something we all share. And if not, maybe you'll see what someone else in your life is going through in a different light. It's worth a shot, right? Do me a favor. There are three stories I'll be reading this first season of Mojo Girl Madness. If any or all of them resonate with you in any way, let me know. If any of them move you to write your own story, let me know. And if you'd like your story heard here next season on Mojo Girl Madness, let me know that too. Like I've always said, we're in this together. This first story is entitled The Happy Time. All of the stories I read will be true stories, by the way, things that actually happened to me, and I've tried to not embellish. They're as real, as true as I can remember. And they're all very personal. This first one deals with how I dealt with, or didn't deal with, my grief after my mother passed away. Here is The Happy Time. They say you only remember the good things. They say that you forget the pain of childbirth because the joy afterward is so overwhelmingly intense. Although I have a hard time imagining not remembering a football being pushed through my vagina. They say the pain fades though, loss fades. They say that when all is said and done, all you will remember are the happy times. I don't know who the fuck they think they are or who they think they are, but they're flat out wrong. Less than two months after the 63-pound anorexic alcoholic expectedly yet unexpectedly passed, I saw a therapist for the first time in my 34 years of life. The Garretsons don't see therapists. I'm sure I was the first. Together, he, Dennis, and I tried to list the happy times that I would remember about my mom. But I couldn't remember the happy times. My mom was gone, and I I simply couldn't remember the happy times. Was I in shock? Perhaps. Was I overwhelmed with grief? Perhaps. I had recently said to my friend and former boss, Ben, that I didn't want to burden my friends with talk about my mom, and he had recommended I talk to Dennis. He said that Dennis was awesome and treated half the cast of Ben's hit TV show, including the cast member recently in the news for opioid addiction. Dennis would get it. He would understand my mom and how to help me heal. Okay, this sounded like something I needed to do. Never having been to a therapist, though, this was a huge deal for me. No one must know 
only flawed people see therapists. I had always prided myself on my strength and survival skills. No one could know that I now needed help. I had even sworn Ben to secrecy, especially since his new assistant, who I helped to get the position, was my ex-boyfriend. Oh my God, the ex could simply not know I was seeing a shrink. Funny side note, or it's funny now in hindsight, when I entered Dennis's office for my very first visit, when I was at my most nervous and obsessed with it being kept secret, I, I think I even drove around the block a couple of times prior just to make sure I wasn't being tailed. Well, I went in through the wrong door. Frankly, Dennis should have told me when I made the appointment that there's almost always multiple doors to a therapist office so that people could enter through one and exit through the other in order to maintain everyone's privacy. Who knew? Certainly not me. I took a nervous, deep breath in the hallway and pushed through the door right into the middle of Dennis's previous session, not yet complete, with one of the stars of Ben's hit TV show, Friends. Of course she knew me. I'd been on that set a zillion times, visiting either Ben or my now ex-boyfriend, who had cheated on me with a younger woman on their show, a 23-year-old extra named Alexia, whose license plate read, Alextasy. But that's a whole other chapter in, in a whole other book. The actress and I maintained eye contact for approximately 20 minutes, or three seconds, depending upon which memory of mine you ask, before Dennis gently guided a horrified me into the waiting room and pointed out the door through which I should have entered. Again, who knew? In any case, I was there, at a therapist's office, and now the actress would go back and tell my ex and everyone in showbiz that she'd seen me there. It would be a long time before I got over that moment, and a few more sessions with Dennis before we moved past that topic to my mother, the actual reason I was seeing him in the first place. So, he implored again, dig deep, tell me about some of the happy times with your mom. Um, I muttered, pause. Okay, he wisely countered. Let's start with just one happy time. It was both frustrating and embarrassing. She wasn't that bad, was she? I mean, I easily remembered and was still experiencing the sadness, anger, confusion, embarrassment, shame. But no happy times at all. After failing repeatedly to get an answer, Dennis brilliantly changed up the wording. When did you feel close to your mom? Strangely, close was a word I could work with. And it wasn't long before I recalled a time when I was a little girl, maybe seven or eight years old, when I sat on the sofa with my mom and I questioned her about death. Yes, of course my happy time was about death. But this death was about my beloved little squeaky. My childhood self had spent that long-ago day crying and being quietly dramatic as I held Squeaky in my hands for far too long. I mean, he was a dead rodent. (laughs) 
I purposefully planned and choreographed having a single tear of mine drop onto his lifeless body before gently placing him in the shoebox, inside of which he was shrouded by an old t-shirt of mine. So he could, what, be comforted by my scent in the afterlife? My reasoning then is foggy now, but I was, I was suffering from my first significant loss of life. So I think that explains it, and I'm cutting myself some slack. A t-shirt it was. Why did Squeaky have to die? He was only two years old, and he was all of a sudden gone, expired, forever now absent from my life. He just stopped moving one morning like he was playing dead, but he wasn't playing. It had been a gruesome and shocking discovery. Oh, Squeaky. No more rustle of the shredded newspaper in the bottom of his cage. No more holding him up to my face to rub noses. No more spinning wheel. I had traveled from my shrink's office back to my little bedroom with the yellow gingham bedspread where I set down that shoebox, Squeaky's final resting place, and I calmly walked to the front of our ranch-style home to my mom's resting place, the sofa in the den, next to the side table with her screwdriver. The air here was usually fairly thick with smoke from her Virginia Slims, but I wasn't really cognizant of this at my age then. I don't remember her face from that deathly discussion. I had propped myself against her arm and her dainty pale hands with the small, self-polished, light pink nails and her chiffony robe were the only things in my view as I inhaled the air of obsession perfume and long white cigarettes. Death? She repeated back to me. I feel like I recall her then audibly sighing, but that could have just been me. She took a drag and a sip, moved her arm to wrap my little shoulders, and she hugged me. The actual words that followed are kind of a blur because my young psyche was a bit overwhelmed at the physical closeness and caring that I was experiencing. It was as if the area around us was buzzing with electricity and I was a tad confused. Even now, the thought of that heightened feeling of warmth kind of makes me want to burst into tears. In that single scene from my memory banks, my mom was there for me. My hamster had just died, and my mom had conveyed to me in her lilted southern-accented voice that Squeaky had gone on to hamster heaven, where he could play on wheels all day long. He had lived a full, long life for a hamster, and I'd been a good mother to him. Squeaky was happy, and just like that, so was I. Success. This was the close moment Dennis had been seeking, and it was close enough to a happy time, right? Well, no, Dennis explained. It was a lovely memory and a beautiful moment, complete with parallels of me being a good mom to my mom maybe being a good mom, but we really needed to dig even deeper in order for me to find more of the actual happiness. Finding a true happy time would ultimately lead to peace and forgiveness. This is when Dennis had a weird suggestion. 
There's good anecdotal evidence, he informed me, that hypnosis can deal with any number of ailments, including anxiety, weight loss, and smoking. Not caring that he had seemingly changed topics entirely, I eagerly inquired, tell me about the weight loss. My mind wandered excitedly at the thought of ridding myself of that freshman 15, which had plagued me now for well over a dozen years. Katie, first, you don't need to lose weight. He sounded frustrated with me. I think what he really wanted to say was, Katie, do you know about the concept of avoidance? He continued, You are here for me to help you process the loss of your mother. I must have looked disappointed because he added, let's work on that a while and then we can discuss whatever else is plaguing you. Fine. He then told me about this elderly man in New Orleans who was, in fact, president of the National Hypnotist Society and who was very famous in those circles. This man had performed numerous hypnotic feats, including hypnotizing a man to sleep with his injured arm raised above his head instead of it being in some sort of a sling. Damned impressive stuff, I thought. He is known for helping many of his clients deal with grief and suppressed memories. Hmm. Not a road I would normally go down, but I was intrigued, and Dennis obviously needed help with me. Hell... I was also always up for living a good story, and if a hypnotist could help me find some happy times with my mom, maybe he could help me tackle the unwanted pounds I was convinced I had. Seemed great. It was decided. I would travel extraordinary lengths to see a hypnotist. Because I had apparently become in the last five minutes a hypno-snob who was not going to mess around with some Hollywood hypnotist, I was going to see the real thing thousands of miles away. The best in New Orleans, only a four-hour airplane trip away. But this was serious. I needed the absolute highest odds of this hypno stuff working, or I'd never do it again. And I might never find that happy time memory. So I booked a flight to New Orleans to see the hypno president. Yes, I did. At the very least, it would make for a good story, right? New Orleans is a city of voodoo and vampires, or so I was told by one of my favorite authors, Anne Rice. Oh my God, I absorbed all of her books growing up. Like every young woman, I had wanted to live forever, never age, and have a cohort of beautiful, ancient, learned beings. I probably stared at strangers in New Orleans a bit too long, subconsciously wondering if they were immortal. The air here was thick and smelled of Cajun spices and magnolias. And the people all spoke with a a glorious drawl and consumed delicacies that included alligators and turtles. Of course I would get my fortune told, but first I had to continue the pursuit of that elusive happy time with my mom. His was a very hard appointment to book, but because I was willing to fly in from Los Angeles, he was willing to meet me at his office on a Saturday when the building, hell, the entire area was empty and dark. (laughs) Creepy. Appropriate. This was the New Orleans Business District, which seemed a million miles from the storied French Quarter. It actually took me a while to figure out how I was supposed to get in his building. And when I finally did, and finally found his office, he wasn't even there. 
but my moment of panic subsided when he and his gold-tipped cane rounded the corner, and off we went. The elderly man pressed the button, and peaceful, instrumental music came out of his cassette player. Very old school. It seriously was a crappy little portable cassette player he had on the counter next to the recliner. But the music was nice. Some people think hypnotism is a hoax, that only those who wish to be led can be led, and perhaps they're even in on the game. Okay, I guess I was one of those people. But at this moment, I really wanted to believe that not all hypnotists make you dance like a chicken. I closed my eyes, as instructed, and I listened to the music. He guided me over green hills, My mind resisted at first, and I found myself slyly peering out under my eyelids at the little Cajun-sounding man with the little eyeglasses and the little balding head. He wore a somewhat rumpled tan suit with a bow tie, which I had thought fabulous. A dapper gent from New Orleans. Perfect. His voice was so soothing, though, and the music was soft. My arm rest comfortably on the now-reclined leather chair. Then, all I could see for miles and miles were green hills and blue sky. I was so very relaxed. God, was I going to fall asleep? It was as though my mind was moving, but my body wasn't. I mind-walked. Floated? for quite a while, until I saw the bright tunnel of light he described, his voice becoming far less prominent to the setting as we went on. Wait, a tunnel of light? Wasn't this truly derivative? Haven't we seen and heard of this hundreds of times in books and movies? Ugh, he was a fraud, playing with my preconceived notions. He didn't know that I didn't buy into that tunnel crap. But I started floating backwards, and the sun felt less warm, and he must have sensed me pulling back. Keep going, his voice purred. You'll see. My will was almost not my own as I followed his instruction. He would then ask me where I was and what I saw every step of the way. He kept me going. The hills urged me forward. The tunnel was actually not crystal clear and not not, not really a tunnel after all. It was more a gorgeous, soft, almost sparkly cloud, a confection. And it was out of that cloud She walked, small, then larger as she approached, with determined yet non-aggressive and very slow steps, as if to give me time to prepare. Or maybe I was secretly making my mom walk slowly. Her five-foot-two, perfect little frame, wore navy pedal pushers and a peach cardigan buttoned all the way up. 
Funny, I don't recall her shoes, but I wouldn't find out until years later that she was obsessed with shoes. How did I not know? Had I known that then, I might have seen her and say, Ruby slippers. A glimmering short strand of pearls graced her neck, and her dark hair was perfectly coiffed. Both her big brown eyes and her shiny peach lips smiled at me. She was more beautiful than I'd ever seen her, and she seemed so at peace. <laughs> I could see her. Oh my God, I whispered. She could see me. Once our eyes locked, they never parted. I think at some point I must have gasped, perhaps when she stopped walking and I could feel her warm, extended hand. No words. What is she saying to you? He asked. My guide encouraged conversation, but none came. It wasn't needed. I don't want to talk, I think I replied. I was with my mom. We had clasped hands and we were taking each other in. She smiled so knowingly and stared into me with a love I had never felt. She cared. She loved me. Time stood still and created an everlasting memory in that tiny little office in magical New Orleans. To this day, when I think of my mom, this is how and where I see her. She was and is to me now forevermore so pretty, so healthy, so nurturing. She was staring at me not through the fog of vodka and cigarettes, but through clear and loving eyes. This was my mom. The mom she and I both longed for her to be. And this was it. And this was finally it. This was the happy time. I needed to have this memory. I wanted to have this memory. And this is the memory that my sweet mom would have wanted me to have. It's a memory of her essence gazing on me and comforting me. It's a memory of who she really was, of the mom I had but didn't have and would never have. It's a new memory of a happy time with my mom that I will now never, ever forget. So, at least one of the Garretsons has now gone to a therapist and a hypnotist. To each his own, or her own, I guess. For me, seeing both of them was the best gift I could ever have given myself. And who knows if I was really therapized or hypnotized, as maybe Dennis and the elderly man just provided the tools for me to unleash the healing myself. Perhaps I would have ended up in the same place psychologically over time. When all is said and done, though, we created a better story. And now, 
All that remains, all that now matters is the happy time. Funny. I guess they ended up being right. Mojo Girl Madness is produced by Morgan McDougal Productions.